Good morning, church. Good morning, church. It is certainly an honor for my wife and I to be here among you once again. It, it, it feels like eternity. And it was, it was in May when we were here last. How many remember our, our time here with you? I have to tell you that there hasn't, there hasn't been a day when I have not been in intense prayer for you as a community of believers. And, and in the case of some of you who have been such a delight to us, uh, that extra special oomph of prayer for you. It, it always feels as if when we come here, it always feels as if we get the red carpet treatment from some of you. And, and, and it's always a delight to feel welcomed. Isn't it? Yes, amen. Praise God. Well, I'm not going to be too long, um, but I do want to talk to you this morning about what God has put in my heart. Uh, for those of you that were in Sunday school with us this morning, um, I tell you what, Brother Dave stepped all over my message. It's amazing how God operates. You know, there's one spirit and one spirit only. The spirit of God. He is the administrator of the gospel this side of heaven. The one who is operating within me as a child of God is the same spirit operating in you if you are a child of God. And he's able to do things in a very beautiful manner. He's able to orchestrate things that you and I just can never be able to put together. Um, he is, in fact, the author and the finisher of our faith. And when God is involved, when God the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives, especially as a body of believers, this wonderful, wonderful community of believers... In fact, why don't you just take a look around at your fellow brothers and sisters. Just take, take a look around. Some of you probably haven't swung your head all the way back around to the rear to look at the, at the wonderful people pulling up the rear and the back. Yes, Brother Eddie's out back. He wants to be recognized. Listen, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to celebrate family. That's what this is about. That's what church is about. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But again... Um, I thank you so much for allowing us to come. I thank you so much for having us. It's, I'm certainly overwhelmed by the experience. It's been a number of months now. We've, this is our fourth time here. Um, the first of which was in August. It was a missionary trip with, um, um, forget the name of the program that you guys had. E exactly. <clears throat> yeah, that exactly. But, but it's, it's been a wonderful journey for my wife and I. And, and we're excited about this. It's not something that we are, we, we've taken lightly. We're not going through the motions about our experience with you. We are just not doing it. This is, for me, my perspective is about God's calling for my life. It's about an assignment. It's not about a responsibility in the natural sense of the word. It's about a divine responsibility. And you and I, we all have that responsibility before God. Did you know that? Every single one of us. This is not part of the message, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe somewhere around from <clears throat> verse 18 to the end of the chapter, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation. If you are a child of God, that ministry is within you. And all you have to do is open up your mouth to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and somebody can and will be saved. You don't need to run an individual, family member, a friend, a stranger to the pastor, to the deacon, to the elder. You, in your own living room, can invite somebody in, talk to them about Jesus Christ, 
and unfold the, the gospel message and you personally can lead somebody to Christ. We all have that ministry and it's a wonderful gift of God. Amen, somebody. We thank God for that. Thank you for having us. Thank you for welcoming, welcoming us. Vet, mi hermano, Dios te bendiga. Jen, thank you so much for opening your home to us. We certainly appreciate Ron, always a delight, even though I, I feel some type of way because Ron just doesn't enjoy my hugs. I just don't, I, I don't understand that. Who, who in their right mind doesn't appreciate a good, firm hug? Right, Tim? I like a minimum of five seconds. A minimum of five. On a good day, ten seconds, right? How many appreciate a good hug? Amen, somebody. Look at that, look at that. <clears throat> so let, let's, let's get into the Word of God. I want you to turn your Bibles with me, please, to uh, Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> the title that I have for you this morning is Fulfilling His Purpose as the Church. Fulfilling His Purpose as the Church. And when we think about the church is easy for us to determine that the church is not the building we fellowship in, but the people. We can make that a discernment or that determination relatively quickly. I think if you've been around the church long enough, even if it's just one time in church, you, you pretty much have a firm handle on that idea. The church is not the building we fellowship in, but the people. We, the people, comprise the church of God, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. We are the church. Um, but it's not easy to discern what God's purpose is for us as a community of believers. It is not always easy. We all have our own biases. We all have our own differences. We have, we have our cultural expressions, our philosophical worldviews, our, uh, our Secular assignments, our jobs, etc., things of that nature. And, and oftentimes we come into church and as soon as the amen, the final amen to the benediction prayer, we are out the door because we have things to do. Right? And some of us have that roast in the oven. We have things to do. And oftentimes we miss out on God's purpose for the church as his community of believers this side of heaven. There's an amazing assignment that God has for the church. And it behooves you and I to find out what that is. So that we can be effective. Effective stewards. How many understand what that term means? A steward. Right? We, we, we often relate that with finances. I am a steward of the finances that God blesses me with. And I have to be, I have to make sure that I do not misappropriate the finances that God blesses me with. I'm a steward of the wonderful and beautiful wife that God has given me and the children that we have. I'm a steward of those things. But, but what is my responsibility before God as a member of a body, a community of believers? What is my responsibility before God as a member of the body of Christ? Do I just simply exist? Do I, am, I, am I to just simply go through the motions? Can I get saved today as we talked about this morning in Sunday school, can I get saved today and tomorrow I live out the rest of my days in my home? What is my responsibility as a child of God? Read with me Romans chapter 12 beginning with verse 1. I do apologize. I have the English standard version this morning. 
Romans 12, beginning with verse 1, I'm going to end in verse 10. The Bible reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service or your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches, in his teaching, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, the one who contributes, in generosity, the one who leads, with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness, let love be genuine, Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, and outdo one another in showing honor. Bow your heads with me this morning, please. Father, we are blessed this morning to be in your presence. We do not take it for granted. We may not all necessarily understand what that thoroughly means but it doesn't take much faith to realize that it is special we thank you so much for allowing us to be in your presence we know it's more than just simply coming in and and gathering in this place and then rolling out of here when it is all done we know that this is a special time we know that we are family we understand that this is community But we need to know more. And so this morning we pray that you enhance our faith. That you enlarge our territory, our mindset, our perspective uh, about what it means to be a child of God in community. A child of God in fellowship. We love you, Lord. And we thank you so much for it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says... In previous chapters, in this one particular passage, Paul does an extraordinary job led by the Holy Spirit himself in sharing powerful truths concerning concerning the doctrines of faith. Lots of wonderful things. In fact, the book of Romans is actually perhaps my favorite book in the entire Bible. Paul the Apostle, prior to this chapter, he talks about faith. He talks about the law. He talks about grace. He talks about righteousness. He talks about justification by faith. He talks about freedom and liberty. All those wonderful things that God in Christ made available to us. How many appreciate those wonderful things that God in Christ made available to us? Especially justification. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. I love it. Probably my favorite verse in all the Bible. By faith 
we have been declared righteous. And there's nothing you and I have to do to earn our place in the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible actually teaches that if you make an attempt to earn your salvation, you actually nullify the cross of Christ. You neutralize, you cancel out the work of Christ on the cross. And those are extraordinary things. And it behooves us as children of God to understand everything that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Because it actually supports this this developmental process within us called identity. We all need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. Without that one special particular type of knowledge... It, it, it beca- there, there's an ignorance that settles in and does not allow us to fulfill the work God, that God has in store for every single one of us. Hosea put it this way. He says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So we need to know what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. From Romans chapter 1 throughout until this one particular chapter. But in this one chapter, I love it because Paul sort of shifts gears and he talks about he places an emphasis on the practical side of our faith. It's no longer the knowledge and the theory and you need to know this and understand this. Now you need to know how you are supposed to live out your faith, how you are supposed to live out the gospel that has been revealed to be true to you. Amen. The practical side of faith. The need to live it out. And we're going to see the connection that he makes between, number one, individual commitment. And number two, the condition of the church. And that is the purpose of this message today. We need to understand how the body uniquely operates. And there are a million things that we could talk about this morning concerning the body of Christ. There are lots of things, and I apologize in advance if I fail to share something that you expected me to share concerning the body of Christ. Um, Honestly, um, there isn't enough time in one message, or ten sermons, or a hundred, or a thousand sermons to encompass everything that can be said from the Bible narrative about the body of Christ. But it's a special thing, and I think we as believers need to know. My hope is that we can rediscover Our mission as the family of God. How many appreciate being a part of the family of God? It's not always perfect. We often deal with a little apathy. Sometimes we deal with a little indifference. Sometimes we deal with a little skepticism and a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of suffering, a whole lot of agony, especially during the time of when when a church splits, when a church suffers in that way. It's hard to make sense of community when church breaks up that way. And it's a very painful process because, believe it or not, we are all members of one body. We're going to talk about that. We're all members of one body. And when something goes wrong in the life of one member, whether you realize realize it or not, you feel it. There's always an inevitable impact upon all of us when something good or bad happens in the life of one member. That's just simply the facts. If my wife ails in any way, I'm no good. 
I'm just no good. There's a level of pain that she can endure that I cannot. There's a level of pain that I can endure that, 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 that she cannot. I, I, I can't go through the pain of pregnancy. <laughs> we, we, we men, I'm not saying that we can be pregnant, but listen, men, uh, we all know that women can endure a little more pain than we can, right? Yeah, yeah. women say amen. That the women say amen. Yeah, we, we, we fail in that regard. But point number one is that God speaks of individual sacrifice. And number two, he speaks of true Christian fellowship. God speaks of individual sacrifice. Look at the text once again, please. Look at verses 1 and 2. It says, I, be, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In that, those, those verses are powerful. You could preach a million sermons on them. And Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is making a strong appeal to every individual believer. He's basically saying that our responsibility toward God is to completely devote ourselves to Him. As individuals, we're talking about the body of Christ, and he begins the message with individual sacrifice. Because a body cannot function as a body unless each member realizes its particular role. In order for the church to fulfill its purpose, every individual member must be consecrated. And he even goes on to talk about the benefits of this individual sacrifice that we can all make. Look with me to verse chapter 2 again. And it's the latter part of the verse. He says that we may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He begins the, the chapter by referring to this sacrifice. You have to, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual act of worship. It's what's expected. From you and I. He begins that way. Then he talks about the result of that type of sacrifice. When we make that type of sacrifice, when as individuals we, we devote ourselves over to God, we consecrate. I just love that word. When we consecrate, when we let go and let God, when we die to self. Paul the Apostle put it this way in Galatians. He says, nevertheless I live, yet not I even though I'm living in this natural body, I'm no longer living for myself. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He, he's referring to that devotion that each of us are supposed to be guilty of in that good sense of the word consecrate and devote ourselves to God. And the end result is that we will be able to ultimately fulfill what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We often struggle with that idea. What is the meaning of life? What is my purpose in life? How am I supposed to be living out my life? What's the reason for life in the first place? 
And most believers wrestle with this idea. We may have a, 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 an inkling of an idea, a snapshot, if you will. But oftentimes we wrestle the bigger picture. What is my, what is my role in the body of Christ? What is the meaning of life? The million dollar question, isn't it? And these two verses sums it up by saying that if you devote yourself to God, that if you consecrate yourself to him, you will then ultimately be able to fulfill God's good and acceptable and perfect will. It's right there in the word of God. Do you ever remember quitting on something you were absolutely committed to? The answer is no. If I'm committed to something, those are the things, my commitments, those are, those are the things that I least take for granted. We do not quit. There's a reason why I'm saying this. We do not quit on the things we are most committed to. We quit on the things we take for granted. And I'm talking about this concept of the Bible, the, the body of Christ and our role as members. If we come to service, if we come to church or not, and we take our individual membership for granted, the body will ultimately hurt in some way. Because there's a gift within you that I do not possess. There's a gift within Ron that my brother Joey does not possess. There's a gift within him that my wife doesn't possess and vice versa. We, all, we are all uniquely blessed by God. And it's not a mistake that you are part of this church. And with your special and significant contribution, God can and will fulfill his purpose for this local community in this one particular area of Norwalk. Amen, somebody. God can and will, but if we recognize a number of things. And the first one of which we talked about, that individual sacrifice. Now let's look, for, let's look at a few passages that actually speak to this idea of individual sacrifice. And I want you to turn with me. I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, and we're going to be looking at three verses. 8, 10, actually 4, 8, and 10 through 12. Ephesians 5, verse 8, 10 through 12. It says, at one time, you were in darkness, or correction. It says, for at one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. It's talking about individual sacrifice. Once upon a time, before I gave my heart to Christ, I was darkness. I was in and Darkness was just a, 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 a reality in my life. But when I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I became light in the Lord. And so the admonition is, the verse follows, it says, walk as children of light. There's that individual sacrifice. I can no longer live my life according to the pattern that I used to live my life by. There are some things that I cannot do anymore. 
There's some places that I cannot visit anymore. There's some individuals that I just cannot hang out with any longer. Unless I'm equipped and prepared to impact their lives. God forbid that I should go around them and they are impacting or influencing my life. The Bible does not teach that we should avoid sinners. The Bible teaches that we should serve to influence or impact their lives. And if we cannot do so because of limited faith, limited experience, limited limited development in our lives, then you withdraw or you go to an individual that you love, family member, etc., with somebody else who's mature in the faith, and together you can win the soul, the individual, over to Christ. But there are sacrifices that I've had to make because I am saved. Not because I want to be saved, but because I am saved. Grace is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful and glorious thing. Is there anything better this side of heaven than the grace of God? Is there anything better than the grace of God? You don't have to work this thing to get in. Hallelujah. And I'm rejoicing today in tomorrow's glory. I'm living it out today. That's why I'm so passionate, so alive, so excited. Some people say, Rick, can you please just chill out? Just, just chill out. We get it, dude. We get it. I, I, just, I just can't help myself because I'm in love with Jesus Christ. I'm in love with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to rejoice. Even I, he might have to put me on a short leash in heaven. He just may have to. I'm going to run around and make noise everywhere. Because it's a glorious thing. And yet, he holds us to a standard. And it's not a legalistic standard. It's not a going through the motions standard. It's not a do this and do that and don't do this and do that standard. It's you are my son. You are my daughter. You are my children. And I want you to live this way because I have a particular assignment for you, a particular role that you must fulfill in the body of Christ that I have placed you in. We all have that assignment. And oftentimes we are scattered even within these walls. You can come here all the time. You could even have service every single day. But it does not mean there's solidarity present. It doesn't mean that there's absolute harmony present. We can all come here all the time and still be so divided as divided can be. That's why individual sacrifice is so important. Look at James chapter 1. Don't, don't go there. I'm going to read it to you. James chapter 1, if you're writing down verses 6 through 8, it says this, But let him, and this is not relevant, the first portion of this is the latter portion. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the, of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person, this is what's relevant. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The, the point that I'm making by reading that verse is this idea of consecration to God and the result being what we discussed already in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. This natural ability to fulfill God's perfect, acceptable, etc., etc. That wonderful will that he has in store for us. But if we are not consecrated, we end up like the individual referred to in this, as a generalization, in this one particular passage. Unstable in all of our ways. 
You've been praying about something for quite some time. And you're wondering why God hasn't bestowed it upon you. Have you made room for God in that one particular area? Are you mature in the area that's going to be directly impacted by the gift if God were to give it to you? Have you made room for God? Is there a measure, a greater measure of development in your life, in whatever particular area of your life that's going to be impacted by the gift? If somebody got up here and said, Rick, I need a thousand dollars. And in your mind, your mind, you're trying to sell me on the idea that you're going to do something wonderful, something glorious for the Lord. Although you are not, you're very hesitant to, to reveal to me what, what plans you have in store for the money. And you leave here and you misappropriate the funds. You just needed some money. And you go out and you buy an iPhone. You go out and, and, and you spend it on, on, on nonsense. And at the, end of the, at the end of the day, you don't have anything to show for it. Right? You misappropriate the money. You did not make room for the $1,000. And oftentimes we ask. See, I'm, I have that measure of ignorance where I may just simply believe you. I may be gullible at times. And, okay, listen, I have it. I'm going to give it to you. Here. I have it. I'm going to give it to you. And, and I just may never know what you do with the money. But God knows. He sees all and he knows all. And oftentimes we are asking. We are asking and we're crying out to God for something. Something tangible in our lives. A particular need. And when he gives, us to, gives it to us, we end up spoiling it. And so God oftentimes withholds until the season in our lives when we can receive. How many been there? Have you ever been there where you, where you felt God put you through that process? Lord, I need you. I asked you for this. I need it now. I want it now. But you can't handle it right now. And then sometimes God gives us to us. How many of you parents have given in to your children's requests, knowing you knew in your mind of minds that they don't do it, and your spouses don't do it, honey, don't do it. You know what he's going to do with it. You know what she's going to do with it. Right? Mm, brother says, amen, amen, amen. Can you stop? Can you stop? It's hurting. It's hurting. Please. See, God knows. So the result is that we, are, we, be, we, we get to this wonderful place where we are able to fulfill His good, His perfect, and acceptable will for our lives when we sacrifice ourselves and give ourselves over to God. It's imperative that any community of believers, this is an absolute principle, it's imperative for any family to be whole. In order for a family to be whole, every individual family member must contribute. It's just one of those things that we cannot escape. And a big part of his will is to know his purpose for our lives as his family. Now consider point number two, where he talks about this true Christian fellowship that begins to unfold when we make those individual sacrifices. And we're going to show you here in the passage. Paul uses an illustration to support this truth. And he talks about the body with its many members. How many know that you're looking at me and I'm not just made up of hands, right? I'm not just hands. I got a wrist. I got elbows. I got shoulders and, and, and everything else that a body should have, right? Some of you are saying, well, I hope you're complete, brother. I just hope. We, listen, we, we all have this variety of members in our bodies. And it's necessary because my body cannot function without my feet. Doesn't matter how skillful I am with my hands, I'm not going to be able to get the task done 
without my feet. Right? Say my hands are skillful, but I got no, you know, have you ever seen those people that are born with just hands on their shoulders? Have you ever seen that before? Yeah, you get the object close enough to that person's hands, he or she can get the job done. But without arms, the function is limited extremely. We need, every member is essential. Look at the text again, Romans 12. 4 and 5. It says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we see, though many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. In other words, we are a body made up of many members, each with his own function, yet joined together as one. And there are things that I cannot do. There are things that I'm never going to be able to do. You brought me in here and I'm candidating for the pastoral position here in this church. And I know coming into this place that if you give me the job, I just know right off the bat. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are things that I cannot do. The things that I just cannot do. I just don't have the ability. I don't have the, the, the calling by God. I don't have the preparation. I don't have the, I need you to get the job done. There is no such thing as inviting a pastor, somebody to come in to serve as a pastor, and then you sit back and relax while he handles all church matters. That's a church doomed for collapse. You depend on one person. That is, that is not good. So it, it means that my gifts and my talents, listen to this, that my gifts and my talents are, be, are to be used for the benefit of the family of God because I can only operate successfully when I'm connected to Christ's body. My individual mandate is to consecrate myself to God. But my overall calling is to serve as a particular member of the body of Christ. And in order for me to be successful as an individual, I need you in my life. It cannot be escaped. We need one another. And I, and I pause and I speak slowly for reflection. This truth should dissolve the indifference that exists between us. There should not be any apathy in the house of God. Apathy is destructive. It's the enemy's mechanism at work in the church. It's infiltration from the enemy. It's a lie for the enemy. It's yeast compromising. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed how someone chooses to exercise his or her own agenda and it never seems to work out? This speaks to the, one of the last ideas that we were talking about this morning in Sunday school. Is it okay for me as an individual to get saved today and to enjoy my life on my own? To, to, to isolate myself from community, from the rest of the church. Is it okay? The reality is, and 
Solomon speaks to this in Ecclesiastes 4.12. I believe I shared this verse with you the last time I was here. It says, one standing alone can be attacked and defeated. So if we isolate ourselves as members and you, we are not congregating, the, the, the chances are high, the percentage is extreme for us to be taken advantage by the enemy. One standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So the Bible speaks of a support group. You need me, Tim, in your life, whether you realize it or not. You got red hair, I got black hair. You're, you're, you're white and I'm, I'm brown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we need one another. We need one another. The last thing you were ever, the last emphasis, parenthetically speaking, that you were ever hear out of my mouth is this cultural thing. Because it doesn't belong in the church. We are a family. And the Bible says, the pastor says that we ought to be fitly joined together. Let's look at that. But consider this illustration, if you will. We're talking about somebody isolating themselves and, and, and doing their own thing. Consider the illustration of a baby. Say, say any, any newborns, any newborns in the church, like a week or a month old, right? You, you, you know that when you try to handle them and they, 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 they're able at some point, they're able to fix their eyes on you and mommy and daddy. And they, though they may not utter, utter those words, they, they recognize you because of your constant presence. And they want to reach out to that candy or that lollipop or the bottle. They, they, the child is hungry and you're dangling a bottle in front of his or her eyes. And I, I, I want it, I want it. And the hands are all over the place. That lack of coordination, that's what ends up happening to us when we isolate ourselves. We're we're, we're fishing for stuff and and we do not necessarily know what our purpose and what our assignments are when we isolate ourselves. There's no coordination. The hand is trying to operate outside of the body or the foot is trying to operate and do his own thing. You got one foot moving in that direction and the other foot wants to go in the opposite direction. That's not good. That's not, that's not healthy bodily function. It's just not good at all. We ought to be perfectly joined together. 1 Corinthians 12, I'll read these to you. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less, any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts Yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And yet we do that sometimes. We justify our differences. And by default, we end up isolating ourselves from one another without even realizing it. And then we ratify biases that ultimately impact everyone else. It's not a healthy church. When those things happen, 
when the body is not in sync, like if I'm not eating well, I'm not exercising, things of that nature, the body, what happens to muscle if you're not using muscle? It atrophies. Right? What happens when disease afflicts our body and the body is no longer able to function? When something's wrong with my kidney, is it not going to throw off the rest of my bodily function? Can I live life with um, kidney disease and not be impacted in the rest of my body? Hmm, how about the lungs? Can I have some sort of, can I live with COPD and still run around and, and do the youthful things I used to do? How many know what COPD is? Can I have COPD and, 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 and run a marathon? Hmm, I think not. It don't matter how my feet are kicking and screaming. I want to do this. I can do this. Yeah, you can do this, but I can't. And you need me to be functional. You're not going to do it. So call it off. So if we are to succeed as a community of believers, we have to acknowledge one another. And here it is. You ready for this? We must do so with genuine love. We must, we must do so with genuine love. Don't tolerate me. Don't tolerate me because I don't like that. That's not good. It, you, you know the level of dysfunction that exists when we're just tolerating one another? You know how... We're going through the motions when we're just tolerating one another. I don't like her hair today. I, you know, I'm not even going to say anything to her today. That, 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 that dress, that dress, I, I don't like that. Or that, 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 that white stuff that Jen has in front of her head. Whoa, what is that anyway? Lord have mercy. It's beautiful. I love it, girl. You, you keep putting it on me. But we do that sometimes. Do we not? She's a little too dark for me. I don't, hmm, I don't like that. And we do that, Lord have mercy, and we fall apart as a body of believers. Satan slips in through these open doors that we create for him. Listen to this, 9 and 10. Look at the passage again. Romans 12, 9 and 10. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor, that means despise, denounce, dismiss, have nothing to do with. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. What? Is that actually in the Bible? Really? It is. We have to outdo one another in showing honor. Philippians chapter 2, Paul the Apostle speaks on that as well. When Jesus Christ made that ultimate sacrifice, God himself took upon himself the form of, of human flesh just like you and I for the purpose of going to the cross in absolute humility, dying in our place. Now do that for one another. He stresses that point. He says, let each one esteem the other better than himself. If I'm, exalting, if I'm exalting you and you are exalting me, where's the room for indifference and where's the room for apathy? Where's the room for illness and disease in the body of Christ? If we are exalting one another, loving one another, outdoing one another in honor. Wow, imagine what this church can look like if everyone is outdoing one another with honor, but with genuine love. Don't go through the motions because that's, it's e even a blind man could discern the phony, the fake. Right? 
We're to do it with genuine love. We need one another. The fact is, we will never truly be able to experience the life God has in store for us as his family if we fail to truly recognize the need for one another in genuine love. I shared with you Ecclesiastes 4.12 already. But how about Hebrews 10.25, where the author of the book of Hebrews admonishes us to not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We are admonished, we are encouraged not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as their manner of some is. In other words, there are some people who indicate that it is okay um, not to have to fellowship. You don't need to fellowship. It's not a necessity. You can get saved today and do your own thing and enjoy your life on your own terms. Hmm... Which animal in the Serengeti is the one most likely to get eaten by the lions? Which one? Mm, the one that's isolated from the pack, from the herd, from the tribe. However you want to look at it. The one who thinks that it can survive on its own. He gets eaten up every time. Not some of the times, brothers, sisters, all the time. Mark sixteen fifteen, as the body we are to venture out to preach to a lost world. And I read that and I say that because that is the ultimate purpose of the body of Christ. If you make an individual sacrifice and you do it right before God in genuine responsibility as a child of God, and we all do it together, and we, come, we become fitly joined together as a perfect puzzle, Ultimately, we will be able to serve God's purpose for our lives as a body of community. We can make a difference in this community or wherever you live. You can impact your family. You can impact the generation. That is the perfect, that is the assignment of God for his church. We are not to just simply exist within these four walls and preach to the choir and entertain one another with stories and singing. That's a wonderful thing and it has its place. But ultimately, we are to make a difference in our community. That is the purpose of the body of Christ. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to every human being. There are things that I cannot do. I need you to assist me in that process. You need one another. In order for us to get, get that job done, we need one another. So here's a challenge as we move towards wrapping up. Individual sacrifices, number one, must be made. Where is your faith as an individual? You have to answer that question. How is your devotion to God? The body cannot function without every member. And number two, as the body... The challenge is to recognize the head. We talked about the, 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 the child, the infant earlier. Or just simply what Paul the Apostle expresses in other passages in the New Testament. How Christ is the head of the body. And you and I as members operate according to his dictates. According to his wisdom. According to his, his purpose in our lives. His voice. In other words, we, we have to submit ourselves in worship of God, we need to worship the Lord, right? That's that consecration. And number two, we need to recognize His voice in our lives. Because as a body of believers, we are not here to live out 
some philosophy, some cultural trend, some culture, some ritual, some ceremony, some tradition. This church doesn't exist for any of that stuff. We are impacted by it in many ways, more ways than we care to be. But, but that's not the standard for the church. The standard for the church, in order to fulfill the will of God, it has to adhere to the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ said it. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's the truth that has set you free. I cannot come here on Sundays and preach anything other than the Word of God. And the day that happens by any pastor, run for the hills. Did you hear me? If anybody comes in here as a pastor and preaches anything other than the Word of God, run for the hills. Because the information you take in will ultimately shape your life. And if it's not rooted and grounded in the Word of God, you need, uh, uh, excuse me, sir, um, we need to talk. And you need to sit down with the, with the person. We need to have a conversation. We don't need Sports Illustrated magazine or anything like that in, the, in here. We, listen, it, you think it's not happening? You think it's not happening? It's happening. The assignment of God. I'm going to leave it like that. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. And it hurts, Lord. The truth hurts. You're asking us to make sacrifices. Not a system of works. Not a system of do's and don'ts. Not to go through the motions, follow some ritual. You're asking us to give ourselves over to you as individuals. And you spell it out clearly in this passage. The result is a healthy body. You have an assignment for this church, Lord. There's a purpose for why this church exists on this corner, in this community, in this city, in this state. There's a purpose for it. And it's not, Lord God, so that it can go through the motions. You want there to be life, vitality. Like protein in our bodies and its effects in our lives. I pray your blessings on this church, Lord God. I pray for healthy members and a healthy body. And I pray that you revolutionize somebody's perspective here this morning. However, you must do it, Lord God. Revolutionize our perspective, our world view, and help us to understand that we cannot afford to isolate ourselves, that the body is in need of every particular member because of the special assignment. The special gifts within us all. My body cannot operate without lungs. We need each other. Father, and I pray that we thoroughly understand this. That as we rise to leave in a few moments, that we leave knowing that, Lord God, that you have an assignment for us to fulfill. We thank you so much for that this morning. 
We pray these things, Lord God, giving you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, God's people say. Amen. Now, let me tell you before, I, before I, I just move out of the way and sit down. My time here with you guys has been special. And I love it out here. I never shy away from God's purpose for my life. I am connected to God. I am in sync. You know how we like to synchronize our devices? Make sure they're in the cloud or on a Gmail or whatever. I got devices like that, right? My tablet, my phone, my computer at home, they're all synchronized together. I like to synchronize myself with God's purpose for my life. And I understand the need for for community. And I respect that. And lately, ever since my trip here last August, actually October, I felt the prompting from the Lord to do something about your need. And I know that the body here has been in agony and has been struggling. You look good. You look really good. You smell good. You're doing a good job at healing. You're doing a good job at, at allowing the Holy Spirit to bring that healing about in your lives. It's a wonderful thing. First time I was here, I could probably count everybody in two hands. And now look. It's a wonderful thing. There's at least, I don't know, 50, 60 people here. If my math is right. God is doing a wonderful thing in your lives, Norwalk. He's doing a wonderful thing in your lives. And you have a, an, an assignment by God placed before you. Fulfill his mandate. Fulfill his purpose. Get involved. Contribute. Do not avoid the process. Your voice is required as an individual. Just like we must vote in order to make a difference. I know that. I learned that at an early age. We must contribute to the process of healing and development in this church. Every single one of you. Do not hang away from the rest of the group. Don't be quick to leave when service is over and the doors are opened. Contribute to the health of this body. There are things within you as a member that only you can provide to the health of this body. That's your responsibility. And it's not just putting a little money in the offering plate from time to time. Your talents and your gifts are required and are essential. If this body is to fulfill God's purpose. Amen, somebody. So I encourage you. Support the leadership of this church. They are working hard and diligently to make sure that you get the shepherd that you need here in this church. They are involved in the process. Come alongside them. They're struggling with it. It's not easy to dot every I and cross every T. Get involved. Roll your sleeves up. Put the short pants off. Get rid of the sandals. Get the sneakers or the boots. Put those things on and get in the trench. And do what is necessary to rebuild the work of God here in this community. It's needed. Your church is significant. Forget about the churches down the street. There's a particular role that only you can fulfill in this community. That cannot be done by anyone else or any other organization. And as much as the city council doesn't want to acknowledge faith and faith community, there's a role that only you can fulfill. They, they cannot, whether they like it or not. 
It's time to get the work of God done, people of God. It's time to get it done. Let's get it done. Amen? Make sure you pray on a regular basis. That's your number one contribution. And make sure you read the word of God. That's your contribution to the body of Christ. Be informed. Be equipped. Have the spirit of God moving on the inside of you. The voice of God operating within you as an individual. And then get to work. And then get to work. The wrist, the hand rather cannot do anything without the elbow. Let's get to work, people of God. And fulfill God's purpose for this church. Amen. Thank you for having us. Don't be too quick to leave. Allow me to give you a hug, to greet you, Ron. Uh-huh, Ron. Allow me to say hello. Please look into your eyes and thank you personally. Amen. In fact, my wife and I, we're going to stand up. We're going to go to the rear right now. Is that okay? We're going to stand up. We're going to go to the rear. That way no one escapes us. Thank you. God bless you guys.